When we dance, the journey itself is the point. When we play music, you will simply become completely absorbed in sound. And therefore you will find yourself living in an eternal now in which there is no past and there is no future and there is no thing called difference between yourself and the world of nature outside you. Welcome to the ThinkSpace podcast with myself John Staskowski and Danny Massaro where we discuss human nature and the practical application of philosophy. To find out more about our cohort course and membership community please head over to www.thinkspace.academy. We hope you enjoy this episode. This is red, this is green, this is something, this is nothing, this is solid, this is space. Between yourself and the world of nature outside you. Right, Danny, in my humble opinion, the top three TV shows of all time are as follows. Number one, The Sopranos. Number two, The Wire. And number three, Breaking Bad. And the chat we're going to have today is about a series called Mr. Inbetween, which I reckon is number four. So the fourth best TV show of all time. And we and I thought this is just an interesting one to chat about because there's some themes in it that are quite similar to those other three shows that I mentioned, where you've got a protagonist who is a criminal. He's basically like a bit of a hitman, but he's also a family man. And that theme runs through a lot of those other shows where you've got this main character who, on the face of it, is just, we should hate them. Like, they're just a moral nightmare. They're killing people, they're ripping people off, they're criminals, they're adulterers. They're all these different, like, really, really nasty characteristics you would think of in human beings but we love these shows that have those characters and we don't just love the show we actually love the characters themselves so people like tony soprano we get a buzz off watching them. we're rooting for them like walter white in breaking bad we're actually rooting for him hoping he can like do what he's trying to do so it's an interesting facet of i certainly think just human experience that yeah why is that that we love these characters and mr in between it's an australian show i think it finished just this year and i'm not it's a bit of an awkward one to get in the uk i think it's on hulu and i know i've seen it's mentioned on disney so it might need a bit of hunting down and that's probably a fair warning to people at the start if you are going to watch it which we definitely recommend you do we're going to try not to give any spoilers but try and watch it before you listen to this if you can just so that we don't spoil anything for you but we'll try and make it not too many spoilers but yeah australian show Main guy is a character called Ray Shoesmith, and he's played by a an actor called Scott Ryan, who also wrote the show and I think directed some of the episodes as well. So track it down, but we're going to get into to Mister In Between and just some quite philosophical ideas that link into it and emerge from it, and you can apply to it for just this human experience of why we like these characters. Not least Ray Shoesmith in Mr. In Between. Do you want to start with just your, because I recommended it to you, didn't I, Danny? And was like, you have to watch this show, it's amazing. Come on, get on it, get on it. Which you did. So what? what's your review initially? Because I know you've enjoyed it, but how did you find yeah, your viewing experience? From the very, from the trailer, really. It's a great trailer because it's immediately talking about, do you think you've got an anger problem, isn't it, in therapy? He's in a therapy group. And the guy's very modern and 
trying to stop all these people who've been sent to an anger therapy group, you know, because they've done so, you know, they've done something like punched someone on the street or shouted at someone or done something a bit more serious, and they're in this therapy group so that they don't have to go to prison, you know, or whatever. And uh, he he says, "Do you think you have an anger problem?" And he goes, "No, I don't think I do. No." And he says, "Well, why? You just hit someone." He goes, "Well, he deserved it." And he said, "All oh, right, so that's all right, is it?" And he went, "Yeah, that's great." So uh, I was walking down the street with my daughter, and two guys come along, bumped into her, and she had an ice cream, and you know, dropped her ice cream, and so you assaulted him. Well, no, they started. Then they started swearing. She's only eight, so so you bashed him while your daughter was just standing there. No, not while she was standing there. I bashed him later. Okay. Well, how did you feel afterwards? After it was after it all happened. Fine. Do you enjoy hitting people? I wouldn't say I enjoy hitting people. You know, if I hit somebody, I generally got a pretty good reason. And you think you had a good reason? You know, I just say that. So, can you remind me again what that reason was? Well, they were being assholes. The world is full of assholes, right? You do realise that. Yeah, and you know why? Why? Because people let them get away with it. So straight away, it's a bit like, all right, this character's interesting. He's, he's, he's not folding straight away, saying, I know I'm a bad person. I snap. Oh, it's my fault. I need to I need to clean my ethics and moral. Oh, I'm just something wrong with me. He was he was like, he said, if you respect me, he says, we haven't got a problem. He said, disrespect me, we have a problem. And then he said, in prison, there are consequences that if you don't respect people. He says, out in the world, there's no consequences. So I'm just thinking that they should be. And then the guy said, oh, so you actually think you're doing society good then? And he went, uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> so straight away, you know, even watching that in the trailer and, and it's, you know, intertwining with all these clips, which we're putting the show notes there, you know, the trailer. And, and, it, and it, if you watch it, it gets you straight away. And I thought, I suppose, like, for me, obviously Sopranos was one number one for me as well. And I suppose it's... What it is, it's the characters are captivating because the acting itself is just phenomenal. I mean, that's the first thing, you know, I, I have to say that the acting of this guy, you know, is unbelievable. And it's like, you can't imagine him not being him or acting anything else. Yeah. Now, that's after two episodes, only 25 minutes. And he has this really wolfish, sheepish grin and he smiles and you don't know whether he's like a fox, whether he's going to like smile that's a genuine nice smile or a, you know a smile that is just going to write bite your head bite your head off <laughs> you know so and as the viewer because you're in on it and you know what he's like and he's a hitman and he does that you're always a bit like oh how's this scene going to go and you don't know ever which way the scene's going to go some scenes go like violent some scenes are just he just yeah yeah whatever you know he relaxes you're always thinking what is going to happen now um but the crux of it for me is justice. The whole thing is like it's about retribution if if you've been wronged, you know, in terms of justice. And it's also like restoring balance. 
So it's like, you did that to me, so you're getting it. And he says that the, the people that he tends, you know, that he, he's a hitman and he has to go and kill or whatever, are they deserved it. They're involved at some level. They deserved it. Um, and I very rarely pick on anyone who doesn't deserve it. And you see that through the show. On the flip side of that, he's, he's very sort of caring, isn't he, for his daughter. And he's got all these... He has all these modern day simple things he does. He, you know, he'll watch telly, play computer games. He has to go buy socks. He has to, you know, do mundane things. But all of a sudden, he's he's having to use his skills as a hitman type thing. It's a bit like First Blood, isn't it? The Stallone film where he had, you know, he had all. He was just trying to get on with his normal life, and he got wound up, and then he kicked into all his 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 background army skills. He didn't really want to do it, but he felt like he was there was injustice. And he just goes about settling that injustice on all the police. Now, in reality, you'd think that you'd be up for the police, but you're actually up for the, you know, the guy who's been picked on because you think it's fair he gets his revenge because he was picked on and for no reason. And I think I feel that a bit, don't we? You know, with politicians and all these things, I think we always, or most of us have a level of injustice, don't we? Whether it's getting ripped off with money, the water companies, the you know the, the gas, the, the prices, the politicians, like the COVID. It's a primal feeling that we're all supposed to behave and get along and not cause rock the boat, otherwise there'd be absolute chaos. And I suppose we repress a lot of that, what we really want to do in terms of getting our revenge and justice and balancing things out you know, for fairness. We repress a lot of that. So for me, when you watch someone actually, a, a TV show, and they're actually taking it into their own hands, and, and they're quite good people, because you get to see behind the curtains of their life, but then they go out and actually, you know, actually get revenge on bad people. It's class, isn't it? It's pra- perhaps, you know, they've more guts as well than we'd ever have. <laughs> That's, I definitely had, I made a note of that, that sense of justice. Certainly in Mr. Inbetween, there's this sense that I wonder if that's like quite cathartic to watch because he does, he, it's just black or white, isn't it? There's, there's sort of good or bad and it's right or wrong. And if someone wrongs him, he's just like, right, you're getting it. Yeah. And and he just, there's no like filter in between. It's just not to 100, isn't it? So like there's a couple of funny scenes where it's more like road rage, isn't it? Where someone like cuts him up and then gets out of the car and starts road raging on him. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, well, you were in the wrong, so you're getting it. There's, there's yeah. no in between. But I think that could be quite cathartic for people. He's, he's doing stuff that I would imagine a lot of us wish we could. Yeah. So you are wronged in some way in life and you feel like there's been an injustice. Because of the law and different things, you, you, you just keep your powder dry, don't you? You don't really do anything. Whereas he's just like, no. So I think that could be quite cathartic. Seeing him exact justice on people is quite nice to, to watch. And it, it's quite funny and it's a bit invigorating, isn't it? You get a buzz off like watching him when he, like you say, he gives it that smile and then he's like, and you're like, yes, here we go. You're getting it now. Well, he, he has the skills, obviously, and the, the, the confidence to, to carry out. He's not. He's not going to get like hurt, you know. If, if me and you started doing that, well, we haven't got any background army skills or fighting skills to see it through, so we'd, it'd be a bad decision. But I saw a video the other yesterday, I think, on Jeremy Vine radio presenter had posted online, and it was a cyclist who was uh, like a vigilante cyclist type thing crept up on a car that was parked in a queue behind the lorry, and this guy was in this little car. And he was on his phone, uh, which you're not supposed to do, obviously. And he was just sad or whatever on his phone. And this vigilante little cyclist thing, he, he, he filmed him. And the guy in the car went, what are you doing? He went, I'm filming you. He says, uh, what for? He says, you're on your phone, in your car, and it's illegal. So I'm going to send it to the police. 
So in a funny way, that's like, that should be justice, shouldn't it? You know, you're breaking the law, I'm being a bit... And this guy in the car goes, you what? You doing what? He says, put that phone away. You know, this guy, no, no, you're breaking. I've done a thousand of these. You're going to get, it's a disgrace. And he got really got on his moral high horse, this this cyclist. like. And this driver just lost it in terms of giving him abuse. He didn't get out of the car, but he was, it was quite funny because he was calling him all the names under the sun. And, and some of it was really funny. He just lost it out on him. And um, when in the comments to the video, most people stuck up for the motorist because it was like, yeah, okay, he's breaking the law. He's, he's not he's not driving at 30 miles an hour plus and he's on his phone. He's in a, he's stuck behind the lorry. They're at the lights. They're in a queue. He's looked down at his phone. He's on it. And this sort of, this guy's come along being a pest, like entered into his space, trying to be a police person when he's not. And most people in the comments were like, that cyclist deserved everything he got in terms of abuse because he's crossed the line there. So I think we all go around with our own we our own understanding of what, even though the rules and things sometimes are set, we, we still get a sense of sometimes like what's right and what isn't right. You know, like it's not right, like when it's not right to punch someone in the face because they've started giving you verbal abuse. But Ray in the show will do that and just go like, and it's a little bit like, yeah. It's not right to punch someone, but you don't think, oh, well, oh, you, you shouldn't have gone that far, Ray. You're just happy because you're like, that's wrong. You don't treat people like that. You know, these people haven't read the room type thing. You know what I mean? There's a scene, well, it's in the trailer, so it doesn't spoil anything saying it, but there's quite a funny scene, isn't there, where he's walking down the street with his daughter having an ice cream. Yeah. And these two young lads sort of like badge into them and knock the ice cream out of a hand. Yeah. And Ray's obviously like, what are you doing, mate? Like, well, and they just like front him up, don't then sort of get in his face as if he's the one in the wrong. And he, he obviously then like banks it, like he puts his daughter in the car so she doesn't see anything, and then he jumps him like round the corner and yeah, and basically exacts his revenge, doesn't he? And you're right, you're in that, you're like, yeah, they deserve that, even though it's a way bigger escalation, isn't it, than just bumping into someone. He's now like leathering, yeah, but you're rooting for him. I did link it some of this stuff, so that sense of fairness i don't think we've done an episode on it but we've we've definitely done workshops on it on the on thing space but like albert camus and absurdism yeah and that notion of you know that thing you can just hit you at any time can't you that sense that the universe is just absurd and it doesn't really care or the feeling that the universe doesn't care about you is absurd like you kind of you're looking for this ultimate meaning and a sense of justice and if i put effort in it'll get repaired and yeah. People who are nice people and do good deeds will get repaid. And if you're a nasty person, you'll get punished. Yeah. But the universe doesn't give a shit, does it? The universe is just totally ambivalent and uncaring, which gives us that feeling of the absurd. And I wonder if it's a bit like that. Like people, we don't like seeing people getting away with things. So when we're seeing these characters like Ray and Tony Soprano and, and people like that exacting some of that revenge and that Justin, it feels less absurd, doesn't it? It makes the world feel a bit more rational and and like cause and effect and less complex and yeah well breaking bad is all that isn't it because yeah although he's doing all these things that are illegal and so on you're always up for him because he's the guy has just been given cancer out of nowhere hasn't he yeah so it's absurd and you and you, so every time walter white might do something that you think flipping it it's always you're shrouded in and surrounded by the fact that, well, he needs to make money because he's dying anyway and he needs to pay things off. And then he, he ends up in big dilemmas where there's always an absurd, like that. 
like his meaning has collapsed, hasn't it? You know, it's like I've tried to be a teacher. I'm going along. It, you know, Nietzsche's uh, slave morality in some ways, isn't it? You know, be a good person, go to church, do this, be nice, be a stand-up citizen, don't, don't say anything, bite your lip, you know, never get yourself into trouble and so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden, well, why me? Why have I got ill? And that level of absurdity that this isn't fair or this has just happened, I'm going to die anyway, might as well just go for it and do this and use my skills in this way. In his, in his case, a chemistry teacher making a class age look. So, yeah, that's that's it. Is it the, the, the absurd? And, and Ray in himself, there's elements of hints that he'd been in war, hasn't there? A bit like Rambo. So they'd been Vietnam, but, so, you know, he'd, he might have been in Iraq. I know his father had been in Vietnam, hadn't he? They took jail. Yeah. So his father, he doesn't really get on with and has issues with, but he gets to a point at the end, doesn't it, where he says, look, I would have been a different person, but I went to Vietnam and all this stuff happened. I was never the same guy again. I'm sorry. And Ray kind of didn't say, you're all right, mate, but he started looking after him a bit, didn't he? A bit more and forgave him, but didn't have to say it. He just sort of did it. And there was an element there of, yeah, I know what you mean, pal, because it happened to me as well. Yeah. And I think this is where what I like about it as well on a different level. We've talked a lot on this podcast about philosophy, haven't we? And that if it actually came down to it, you know, in the in the real heat of the moment, it, it's quite philosophy is useful and good as you tick along in life without anything majorly going wonky or off. And you can, oh, we're going to do Epicurus this month, or you know, I'm thinking of Camus this month, so on. But when life hits you hard and you're in a real like, you know, absurd state and things are coming at you left, right, and centre or whatever, that's when it's like that becomes the most prevalent factor in your experience rather than some detached pondering of it and what i liked about this show and it's like that phenomenological immersion he's right there you know phenomenology meaning the study of lived experience how you, you get a real feeling of how it is for, for the character in from the inside out so you, you're almost with him like going yeah I, I can slightly imagine being in your shoes uh, and that's why I can empathise with you why you're reacting and doing these things rather than being on sort of the outside like just looking at characters like you might do on a weak show a weaker show with these these shows they almost they almost drag you in into like I know why you're being that way I can feel that a bit in myself so they convey a real and it's also very um, very ambiguous isn't it it's, it's like one minute I'm in a good mood the next minute I'm not one minute I'm feeling peaceful and happy and the next minute something comes in bang and I'm, I'm angry over something really trivial so we all know for example like you shouldn't really get stressed about the day-to-day -day things you know like oh my car's gone in it's my car's broke down or someone's crashed into my front wall and you know knocked over that it's a disgrace and they've driven off and it can really eat you up but no one's dying, are they? Nobody's got, got an illness. Nobody, you know, we're not in Ukraine getting bombed. We know in the bigger picture, we shouldn't be really getting ticked off and stressed about these simple little things or our football results or, you know, England losing to Australia or something. Or, you know, you get, oh, that, you in your allotment, you know, oh, three years growing these things and they've all died. Oh, someone's dug it up. doesn't really matter, really. It's just a bit of land in, you know. It's not like you've had some bad news, but you know what I mean? Like, like the, we all get stressed over the things that in common sense, detached terms aren't worth getting stressed about, but we still, as you live things and things come up, you still get peeved off and annoyed and moody because of, you know, things that aren't that important. 
but they are important to you in that moment. That's that's what I find. You know, I like how they convey that as well. That contradiction all the time. You could you could you can be stressed out about like you've burnt the tea or you've made tea and nobody said thank you for it, and you're going around like nobody nobody loves me. I can't believe it. Put a load of effort in, and then you watch TV and there's some child, you know, four years old, got leukemia or something, and the child. And you just think, what am I on about? That sort of switch in perspective kind of happens a lot. And that's what this show does. It's just switching perspective so, so quick. And I think Sopranos did that, didn't it? That, that's why those shows are so brilliant. They, they do. Because I think, to be honest, sometimes TV gets a bad rap these days, doesn't it? It's like, oh, look at you just like watching bloody Netflix and you're not doing anything with your life. And you just like... It has a negative connotation often, but I think those genuinely top shows, like we've already mentioned, that's what why they're so brilliant. They hook you into that world, like you, you feel like you're part of it, and the, yeah. there's so many that they're just tapping into what it is to be like a human being, and you can empathise with them, can't you? It gets you questioning. So you, you, I don't think you can really watch those shows just as entertainment. You have to sort of buy into them, and yeah, and like you, you get involved, don't you, personally with the character. You feel, you feel for them. You're worried for them. You're like, you're scared of them. There's all that. All those emotions are in play, and they're done really well. And I've, I have read a couple of interviews and listened to interviews with Scott Ryan, who wrote it and and started it. And that comes across, doesn't it? It, it seems like he's had quite a, and I think he openly admits he's had quite a difficult upbringing, quite a difficult life in many ways. And that comes across in his in in the show there's there's lots of li- little set pieces and little interactions that they're obviously based on an experience he's had yeah there's a really good one with his school teacher isn't there where he, he, he meets him at a reunion when they when him and his mate go back to this school reunion and he's having a cigarette outside with his old teacher and they're having this really quite fraught conversation where he's, he's telling him about look this is how you affected me when i was younger and i know there's a couple of such instances where it's like oh yeah that would that actually happened in my life that was that was based on yeah a particular thing. and that that comes across which again you root for the character because you can tell it's genuine it's not just like a really cheesy show that's yeah just been scripted to hit all whatever the algorithm says people want and it's like no this is genuine human stuff just on the screen and that for me you mentioned the word phenomenological i think it is it's very much that you can tell it's his lived experience looking out on the world and some of these experiences that he's then putting put into film and that that in itself so hard to do in it you can't do that unless it's genuine it needs like it needs that lived experience to be able to do it so that definitely comes across in this that's why it's philosophical isn't it because yeah imitates gets his ideas from life so because he's just presenting life on the show then you can see you know like man serves for meaning frankel's in it isn't it uh, you know where he's, he, he believes in that if you always have to have a purpose and that's his daughter he's like his, his daughter is his central point isn't it he comes back yeah because all sorts go on but without his daughter you don't know if he'd be quite anchored and have enough meaning and lots of his decisions are then based on oh my daughter's like going to be older one day and would i want her to go through this and you know and i'm also a you know a father and how does that play into the mix now the responsibility i feel as a, as a father to some of these decisions i'm making over there and again i'm sure that's what every parent you know has it's like i've got me as i've got me as an individual in my life and my decisions but I'm also a parent, and I've got this, you know, this other kind of way I have to be. 
that's what I was saying earlier, you know, when a, when a kid's born, it's like a, a mother's born and a father's born as well. You know, it's, it's not, not just not like the, just the same person in a way. You have a, you have a this different thing. But it's funny, I, I sent it to my dad and said, watch this. And I asked him how he, if he liked the show. And uh, he said, did I, did, did I like the show? Because I couldn't turn it off. I watched all three seasons pretty much back to back. Absolutely brilliant. Best ever. And I said, did you like the scene where he confronted his teacher? He went, loved it. Because dad, as a teacher, he's always banged on about a PE teacher that abused you know, kids basically humiliated them, would hit them with a slipper in front of others, would make them walk in the cold, would make them, said he would just, he was a terrible fella. And he was a good teacher, like he was a P teacher. He's actually good at getting things, but he was, he would humiliate people for not being good at sport or doing things or being late. And he would do it in a way that was shameful. And they had a reunion themselves. Dad didn't go, but a few of the others went and he was there, this teacher. And dad kicked off a bit with his mate saying, I can't believe you talked to him all this time later. Can't believe you talked to him, you know, and was all right with him. And they were like, well, he's an old man now. And, you know, he said, I'd never, never talked to him. <laughs> you know, so I said to that, did you like the scene where he confronted his old his old science teacher who humiliated him, you know, and made him walk in front of the other students doing a certain thing and they all laughed at him. He said, I absolutely loved it because it's so absolutely true what I, I've carried with carried a bit of that with me. And my dad my, my dad's a kind of character who does stand up to people and says things where you think, Oh, shut your mouth, don't don't make any trouble, you know. Um so I, that you know it made sense why he absolutely loved love the show sticking up for people who are a bit vulnerable as well well he does that the, the character gary is is a bit of a sort of comedic element of the show isn't it and that's that's his relationship with him there's like there's honor isn't there there's like sticking up for your mates and like when he rings him he's like oh can you i've got a bit of a bind here can you do this for me and he's there straight away and he for his mates he's like full-on honor i've got your back doesn't matter what it is i'll i'll yeah i'll give you what you need i'll help you out that's probably quite a rare quality these days i think yeah. no it's rarer than it used to be so that's always nice to see those real like buddy movies are always like that you there's nothing better than a good buddy movie where you just see two guys who are got each other's back so that's running through it with a bit of comedic yeah aspects that are just like quite heartfelt at the same time because i don't think you see that as much anymore the other thing in it and what what was coming through with me as well was one of my favorite ever films is Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Uh, with by Tarantino. And why is Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs really? That's, you can see that in it as an influence, can't you? Yeah. They were so liked because of the dialogue. And it was like, particularly the, the John Travolta and Samuel Jackson relationship, yeah. where they were driving to the scene and they were talking about, you know, burgers and stuff in Europe. And, and mayonnaise and ketchup and all this and and you're like what are these guys where are they going like and the very very mundane just chatting humorous funny talking about pigs and the, you know and laughing and next thing bam the hit hitting on the hitman aren't they they're shooting someone and it's that thing of like and 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 the same with the reservoir dogs when they're talking about tipping people and in the in the cafes a dead really silly little funny thing but then they're always going to outdo this bank job and that's full of it in it that that type of dialogue is is that that lazy strange dialogue about what your favorite cartoon is or if you were superman would see i'll beat beat batman and the invisible man and all and all these dialogue 
all, all them like weird crap dialogue that's not scripted really just you know put, batting it off that's it's that's still that's in there loads isn't it so that's really interesting as well it's just funny you mentioned Nietzsche and slave morality earlier and I that I'm I noted that as just like yeah that's interesting as a relevant theme that's comes through and the difference between that and master morality because you definitely said yeah. Ray in the show and his his own moral compass and his the rules I suppose that he lives his life by they're much more aligned with master morality aren't they where it's yeah. slave morality my understanding it's it's very much that they're kind of like Christian values aren't they and it's like you you abide by the the doctrine or the virtues and the vices of, of that and it's it's around things like kindness and empathy and those sorts of aspects whereas master morality is much more just good and bad but it's what's good and bad for you rather than the herd or the you know like the the community or the the broader society yeah and that's right isn't it in in mr in between that he's creating his own moral code in many ways he's creating and coming up with his rules for life that are just about what's best for him. Like, what what do I need to do? I'm cracking on, I'm getting on. I want to earn money, I've got a daughter. And it's like, these people are bad people, so they're getting in the way. I'm going to, I'm going through them. And that, it's a nice contrast, isn't it, to just see that play out, like quite a deep philosophical idea. And I don't know if he'll have known that right in it, but just seeing that on screen and you can go, oh, yeah, that's that and that's a bit of that. And it, it brings it to life for people. It makes that philosophy quite practical i think so there's, there's one episode isn't it that's quite it's brutal to watch where the kid goes missing in the in the shop yeah and then they're looking for this missing kid aren't they we obviously want to spoil what happens but i'm sure there's parents watching that mm. and it ends brutally with like what ray ends up doing to the the people who've got this this kid and i'm sure every parent in the world who watches that is like yeah they're getting what they deserve like that that's full on. You'd be full on like a football fan, like cheering him on, wouldn't you? Even though it's like, it's br- quite brutal to watch. And you're like, Jesus, this is like, you know, it's, it's violent there. And that's that master morality. I think it's like, yeah, there's good or bad. Yeah. That's it. It's- yeah. And that's it. Exactly that. You know, you see things in the news, don't you? And you, that were, you know, people have done horrific things to other people for no reason. And you're like, why, why send them to prison? They just deserve their cold revenge right now. Like and it'll stop people doing it again and and you know why we could and then people oh you can't do that and this and that and death penalty and all that stuff so that's it is but he's not bothered about that he's just going into his own his own thing isn't it because it is a bit obviously far fetched because you know a bit like Dexter and these shows and surprise like court you know nothing ever you know the police with fingerprints so there's lots of holes in it in terms of like oh but would that happen in reality. But what it is, just a piece of art, isn't it, really? And he's expressing that idea that we feel that way a lot of the time and we would all like a mate who's like Ray. Well, even in that same episode, if you remember, he goes, because they're looking for this, the kid, aren't they? Yeah. And he gets a tip off and they go around to this house where the guy's there with his family having like a bit of a, can't remember if it was like a Christmas dinner or they were just having dinner and like his grandparents are there. And stuff. And Ray just goes in with his shotgun, like, yeah, flopping the wall open with the, the thing. And he's like, he's got the gun to the guy's grandma going, right, where's this kid or I'm going to blow his grandma's yeah. head off. Yeah. And even in that, you're watching it going, that's fair enough that like, he's got to find this kid. She's right. But even though she's totally innocent in the situation and it's a bit absurd and it's comedic, it's quite funny, but also you're like, bloody hell, like, you might do this. Yeah, there, there is parts, uh, you know, it's parts of, of 
where you don't want to look normally, isn't it? You know, you don't want to think that and you don't want to think that you could get that angry and direct and throw your so-called morals out. And I think the slave morality thing was all what Nietzsche's thing was, was that, right, right, you guys, you'd be very nice in the world, be slaves. And the only reason that you can basically, that you've decided that being a good person and all these things is because life is so hard for you because you're a slave, I get it. And if you believe in the afterlife and that if you're a good, dutiful person and you follow all these rules, never snap and do everything as fair as you can, you will have the best time ever in heaven. You will not go to hell. So it was almost like a good mental sort of stoic tool to believe that, you know, if you was, a you know, like Christian and all these things and always did things well, you could at least die with peace knowing that you were on your way to heaven, right? Now, the Vikings would have been different. They were like, no, I'm going to die war, go to Valhalla, you know, killing someone. So everyone has these beliefs that, you know, trying to basically mentally help you. And what Nietzsche said was, but master morality is a bit more like, uh, no, I'll have a good time while I'm down here on earth, thank you very much. I'll squat out my shit while I'm actually alive and I won't even care about the afterlife. I'll just get on with what's right now. And obviously leading on to, you know, Nietzsche's other elements of that weak, weak link, but God is dead. You know, when, when, when you don't have the masses doing slave morality and being that way, if everybody was doing master morality, it it could it, you know it could just be total and utter chaos. You can't have fifty maids in one village. Do you know what I mean? You can't have ten Tony Sopranos as because because as soon as they come onto each other, then they have to one of them has to die and one of them has to yeah. win type thing. So it's not like we're watching it going, yeah, we should all be like this. But it's a bit like, yeah, we're you know where is the guy that's going to go and take out? that bad person you know where where is the superhero who's going to take putin out if we don't you know if, if we're like he's going to nuke somebody or something or where is the person who's going to rescue us from this and that you, you, you know that hero james bond figure that person who's going to come in and just do what needs to be done to get everything right but it doesn't mean you want to be that person i you know i certainly want to want want, want to live ray's life but i wouldn't mind at a lot shallower level, some of his clarity of thought of because that's it, you know what I mean. He, he doesn't suffer from too much ambiguity, does he? Only one scene where he think he, he's like, oh, should I do this or should I do that? Yeah, this, and he gets a bit, oh, I don't know. And he can tell his his mind isn't isn't is a bit, and he gets a bit softer, doesn't he? In parts as he as he moves on and he starts to relax. But most of the time, he's got no ambiguity. He's just, right, that's happened. This is happening. Will you do this job? How much money? Uh, X amount of thousands of pounds. What's, what's, what's the person done? They've done this. Yeah, I'll do the job. <laughs> it's like, well, that didn't take much decision making. And then on another occasion, why? What's the, what's the job? Oh, it's just this, this woman I want, you know, and, and finds out that like this guy's been, this politician's been an absolute git. And goes, all oh, right. Well, I ain't doing the job. In fact, you're going to pay this person this amount of money, and if you don't, I'm coming for you, doesn't it? So it's like, it's like, yeah, I'm a killer, but I've got morality. You know, I'm not, I'm not just randomly doing it. I don't, don't think about it. And and then he flipped it back on the person who hired him, didn't he? Because this this lady hadn't done anything wrong at all. There's a scene, isn't there? Where, and again, it's a little bit of a spoiler, so ignore if if you're going to watch it. But there's a scene where. He's looking for that guy for ages, and the guy's like quite a nice guy, isn't he? He's like a Hell's Angel type character, and eventually he finds him. And the guy, because he's in the game, he's sort of a criminal. He knows what's happening, so he knows Ray's going to kill him. He knows he's he's finished. 
and he's just dead nice to him, isn't he? And they're having this chat, and he takes him to this place where he's going to shoot him. And the guy's like, what a great spot. Like, you've picked a great spot here on this sort of like <laughs> wasteland. And you're like, this is it's bit, just a bit weird, this. But there was a bit that stuck with me on that where they're talking about, like, does he does he suffer with, like, you know, like, regrets and does he feel bad for what he does and, and stuff? And he's, there's a little thing in there where he says about how oh, he, he sees people he's killed in his dream. Mm. So, like, hinting that it's, like, a bit like a nightmare and that's that's some of the price he pays for doing mm. what he does. And they're chatting and chatting, and just as he's about to kill him, he says, all right, Ray, like, spot on. He's like, I'll see you in your dream. And then he kills it. And that, that stuck with me. I'm just like, bloody hell, that's, it's quite powerful, that, isn't it, to think of. Like, he knows that. He knows that's going to be a personal toll and a consequence, but he still does it. And the guy, even though he knows he's going to die, he's just totally at peace with, like, yeah, it's game up, I'm going to die. You're fretting about it. Just, here we go. Yeah, I mean, that's where it links into the... You know, these people, have, he talks a lot about the army, doesn't he, and how they trained him in the army and he chose to go in and he knew he was killing people there, so what's wrong with doing it in society? Yeah. Like, you, oh, I'm a hero when I do it there, but when I do it here, I'm like, what, a bad person? Because some lady's trying to write a book about him, isn't she? And he's, she says, why, why do you, why, I'm just doing what I did in the army. Why, what's wrong with that? You know, you, and he's obviously that hinting at what you, you know, you see things, and to be a probably a successful soldier in many ways, you just have to have that. Like I, I don't, I don't care. Like it has to happen. And that so that's another underlying theme, isn't it? Is we all sit at home talking about war or go and kill, you know, get them and do that, and it's easy to press buttons and all that. And but when you're the person who actually has to do it, and I think that's you know obviously it touches on post traumatic stress and what you know, and, and in a way he's someone who could obviously be really really in post-traumatic stress and therapy and everything and he's just decided philosophically like well no that's what i do i choose to do it there's no difference between doing it there or doing it here so i'm fine mentally it just goes with the job that's that's the last big theme for me really that i think comes out in in a lot of these shows of, of similar caliber it's back to authenticity in a way is that why we, we enjoy them and we root for them so much? Because all of these characters, they're taking risks, aren't they? They're, they're very much Nietzsche's world to power. They're doing what they want to do and they're, they're going after it. And it's like they're taking risks. They're less fearful than we probably would, as you said earlier. Like, he's just in robot mode often, like where he's having these big shootouts and stuff. We'd be, like, crapping ourselves in the corner, like, crying probably, wouldn't we? So we, we like that. We see them... I just think there's something attractive about that, seeing people who are just truly being authentic. He's got his own moral code, and I'm just living my life. Yes, there's risks, but I'm willing to accept those risks. I know I can end up in prison. Even when he ends up in prison in the show, doesn't he? He's like, he's just cool, just chilling around. He's like, yeah, well, I got caught doing that, so here we go. I think that that authenticity a bit, maybe a bit less so in The Sopranos, because The Sopranos are you saw, for example, Tony in therapy and that, didn't you? Yeah. Or the, how he wrestled with his decisions. Yeah. Things he'd done to people in the past and how that had impacted him. The Wire, I think, was more authentic from the character's point of view because you had, like, especially in the the guys who you had on the street versus the police, like, they were just living again their own moral code and they were just doing what they needed to do to make money and survive and, and get on. They were, they were just being authentic. Yeah, I definitely think that comes through in this a lot as well. You definitely feel like he is living his life on his terms and he accepts the consequences of it. He knows the risk. It's like, yeah, I'll do it anyway. Yeah, again, it's got, and it's a bit of a voyeur element to it, I think, as well. So you can watch it from a distance 
and not have to be get involved you know so you don't have to make the pact with the devil but you can you know you can root for him but you're like oh no i if, if i had a mate like that who knew was a killer i'd i'd, I'd weasel them out of my life somehow i couldn't be because they could snap at any moment you know so and you know we see that if you think of sports don't you, you get you've had these characters like Djokovic has an element of rebel and being and and, and curious in tennis if you think you know they'll say things and they're you know they're entertaining to a point and then you're like all right that's enough back off you know what I mean we we can't change the whole way the whole you know tennis culture because you're blowing it wide open and saying these things but you know we've had that in squash a bit with with a, a kid who's come on and been world number one and he's ended up doing his own he's doing it in his own way his own fashion you know not not as brutal as rave you know kill or be killed type attitude you know i've got i've got to get in your face and cause disruption otherwise you'll do it to me and i don't care about the fallout you can ban me you can do this and that but i'm gonna base all right i'll adapt a little but i'm still gonna believe in what i believe in and it you know not everybody can be doing that so you can kind of i could see you can see the authenticity a bit but then that person doesn't understand that other people do want to live their way so not everybody can be and like that authentic in a way and I, I still i just mean that it's still attractive to see people because we know it's like yeah we know we could never do this in reality we would like we would last two minutes but it is i still think there's like a a warmth when you see people you just know they're doing it their way and they're not liam gallagher in in we watch a liam gallagher documentary and just it's refreshing it's just as he is isn't it and it and he's and there are there are elements of parody but just they're not saying anything like groundbreaking or highly intellectual or genius they're just literally saying what's on their mind a little bit they keep saying it and in the end you're a bit like well you know you can't really argue with that brian clough had a bit of that didn't he yeah you know these these types of people and as a leader if you're a leader that way and and you don't go too extreme then these are the types of things in sports coaching and perhaps teaching and being a good mate and, a, and a, even a father and they, you know it's it's definitely not mundane and there's a high element of leadership there isn't there there's a bit of crazy crazy element that this this leader isn't totally morally perfect they'll do what needs to be done to get us to our place we need to get to and what's fair and we need to fight otherwise they will batter us you know, we, we kill or be killed. We we need to find a way, a pragmatic way to, to solve this and by almost any means, um, and that includes bending rules. Now, people don't like that, but as soon as it backfires on the opposition or the abuse against you, you go, oh, dirty person, dirty leader, immoral, cheat, doping, you know, whatever. You know, your Lance Armstrong in a weird way was, you know, he might go, what a fake get and all of it and so on. But he was just, you know, he was just he cheated. He did what he had to do and he just, he had cancer, hadn't he? And he just, just full on just doing what he wanted to do, creating his own rules. And so, yeah, it's like, it's easy to watch it and it's easy to, to look at it, and it you know. I'm, but when it actually happens in our life, in to us, we're a bit like, oh, you can't just make your own rules up. <laughs> but if we're on the winning side and you don't get caught, you can be a bit like, nah, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Financial fair play in football, isn't it? That's the big one at the moment with the Saudi money, isn't it? Yeah, if it's your club, it's all fine. But if you're the other clubs, it's, oh, that's immoral. You can't do that. Yeah, Steven Gerrard goes there, all that money, and suddenly, you know, Jamie Carragher, his mate, is not really saying anything. <laughs> but he was having a go last week at people who went out there and, and it, he, he, so therefore he's stuck 
he's he's put himself because he's put himself into a high moral position and this is a good lesson from it don't speak to highly and morally all the time because given a chance a little switch of thing he, the world doesn't work so morally does it it's a bit like when you're attacking politicians and all these things you see a lot people it's like human instinct it's pretty obvious people are out for themselves what why do you think politicians go into it in the first place mainly nowadays that it's for themselves isn't it really mainly this i mean some people want to do it more for it for the people but you can clearly see with a conservative party you think all those individuals are totally vain and they're out for themselves in mainly um, to make a name and do all this. But before you go in there as, as like Labour, calling them out on that, you've got to be super, super squeaky clean, haven't you? Before, because a lot of the, a lot of people from the opposition party are also kind of doing that, as you see now in with the Biden versus Trump thing, don't you? They started to find holes in Biden's and his family and things because Trump was obviously so much of a my rules, you know what I mean? So it's definitely. Definitely worth a watch. Brilliant series. Like I say, it's it's my fourth favourite of all time. Another good one that's I know you've not watched it yet, Danny's, but it's a similar vein, lots of similar themes is Barry. So that's right. a good one to watch. That's for me it's it's up there, but it's not quite as good as Mr. In Between. Yeah. But that's a good recommendation as well. Lots of similar themes around morality and authenticity and yeah, just lots of the themes we've covered on the podcast over the last however many episodes it comes out so so give it a watch any final words from you are you no just just you know watch it when we dance the journey itself is the point when we play music you will simply become completely absorbed in sound and therefore you will find yourself living in an eternal now in which there is no past and there is no future, and there is no thing called difference between yourself and the world of nature outside you. This is red. This is green. This is something. This is nothing. This is solid. This is space. Between yourself and the world of nature outside you.